On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got the pleasure of talking to Mackenzie Bauer from Thread Wallet. We had an awesome conversation. She's the founder and CMO, and we really, really geeked out on marketing. Uh, we talked about customer lifetime value. We talked email marketing. And we talked about uh, how to understand your ideal customer, how to send out uh, a survey, um, the sample size that you need. There's just so much that we went through. You guys are going to get a ton out of this one. Um, get your notebook out and uh, get ready. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know something super exciting. We have rebranded our podcast to be the Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand Podcast. We're so excited about this because we want to bring you the most amazing content when it comes to your e-commerce business. We want to help you scale. All of that being said, we have an amazing resource that we want to share with you. It's calculators, marketing calculators to figure out how much you can afford to spend on your marketing. We've got three different calculators on the website. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash marketing dash calculator. Now on to today's episode. All right. I am here with uh, Mackenzie Bauer from Thread Wallets. Great to have you on Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Hi, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, yeah. Um, we are Thread Wallet, and my husband and I started our company together back in 2015. Okay. Um, I'll give you, I'll kind of give you the short story of this. My husband um, was body surfing in Hawaii, and he dove into the ocean and had his wallet in his pocket and completely forgot that he did, and so he lost his wallet. And, um, you know, he got out of the ocean and was like, okay, I am an idiot. I lost my wallet. So he went online to look for a new wallet. And all he saw was just boring, bifold, big, bulky, like grandpa style wallets. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, this isn't for me. Like I carry around, you know, he's a college student at the time. And he was like, I carry around my ID, my credit card and my driver's license. Like that's yeah. it. And so he just grabbed a rubber band and threw it around his cards and was using that. And then kind of simultaneously, he was um, taking a business class and he, they were talking about Kickstarter. And so the, the teachers were um, explaining Kickstarter and how to successfully get funded on Kickstarter. And my husband was like, oh, I'm like interested in this. So he went online and um, was looking at Kickstarter and what um, types of projects and products did really well on there. And these minimalist wallets just crushed it. Like they're back, this is back in 2013, 2014. And there were companies that had raised over $300,000 for just like these little minimalist wallets. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just similar, similarly to when he was searching for wallets online and he just saw the bifolds, the minimalist wallets, all of them just lacked personality and expression. They were just brown leather, black elastic, same same as the bifold. So my husband was like, hey, I really admire as an entrepreneur. I love and look up to companies like Stan Socks, Full Candy Headphones, um, Ness Headwear, these, these businesses and these entrepreneurs who have taken a single product or a single category and then really focused on that and made a lifestyle brand out of it. So we kind of did some digging and he um, told everyone, um, or I'm so sorry, he um, did started to do some digging and we were like, there's no one else really like doing this. So we um, figured that we might as well kind of give it a try. So he went to the um, 
local fabric store and got some elastic and brought it home. And he was like, hey, I've got to figure out a way to get like fun designs on this. Yeah, and right. there was uh, I don't know if you remember, but this is the the trend of like sublimated printed shirts were really big, like pizza and like yeah. there was a Shark Tank company that did it, um, which is actually the company he went to, Beloved. They are here in um, Provo, Utah, where we're from. So oh. he found this this company that did sublimation and went to them and um, asked if he if we could sew or print on um, this elastic wall, this elastic. So he they said yes and he did it and he brought it home to me we were dating at the time he drives up to the driveway pulls in I get in the car to go on a date and he's like you've got to see this and it's elastic covered with the poop emoji and I was like oh very cool and he was like this is amazing like we can print any design we want on this and so we were like that's cool like yeah the poop emoji I was like wow this is great this is gonna like kill it so is that where you we picture went the business up- being like oh yeah this is gonna take off this is gonna be huge <laughs> no I think I was kind of at that point I was like okay like you know I'm I'm like in that butterfly twitter painted stage of dating him where I'm just like everything is like yes this like, is oh, great yeah. and then in the back I'm kind of like oh, I don't know about this yeah. <laughs> so um we went up to my, I had a sewing machine that I'd been gifted by my mom back when I was like in eighth grade, maybe or something. So we um, went up to my room and we sewed it and we like liked the final product. And so he was, he took it around, friends used it. We sewed, sewed a few more and um, we started kind of seeing some traction um, with it. He did a little Kickstarter campaign um, in 2013 with, or I was beginning of 2014, excuse me, with some friends and they just kind of followed that model that they'd learned about in school, like getting funded and just kind of threw yeah. something together. So we raised enough money with that Kickstarter to um, buy a printer and buy some materials and stuff. And then with that, we were able to get into a few local stores here in Provo and they sold really well. We had, we knew that we were really lucky because we knew one of the buyers here at one of the local um, clothing boutiques. And then my husband and I, we moved after we had gotten married. We, our, our dating story was really quick. We met around the same time we started sewing the wallets together. So that was January and then we were married in August. So really, really fast. Wow. And yeah, yeah. Six months. And then that same, that same, the day after we got married, we um, moved out to Hawaii for my husband to finish school out there at a small university. And so we sold at farmer's markets and saw traction there as well. So after we were graduated, both of us had graduated, we um, moved back and we were faced with that decision that so many are faced with after you graduate, which is, okay, what are we going to do with our life? And my husband was pursuing professional soccer and had some offers there as well as his dad is a financial planner. So he had an EV in that, in that industry as well, but we just didn't feel like either of those were our thing. Both of us had loved the, you know, the small amount of time that we'd spent on this little project together, selling at farmer's markets and stuff had been really fun. So we were like, okay, let's give ourselves six months. We'll really dive into this, devote all our time and energy to this project and see how it goes. And if we see success, we'll continue with it. And if we don't, then we'll pivot. And it was really nice. My parents let us move into their house. So we were um, in a small bedroom down the hall from them for the first like, six, six months of marriage after we moved Great back time. from Hawaii. And 
surrounded by like all our boxes of wedding gifts because we didn't have our own house and they let us set up shop in their house we had um a little warehouse in their office we had the printing press and the printer and the heat cutter and shipping racks and our printing label all of that and our label printer and so we did and we um hit it really hard for those six months we did a kickstarter campaign and did about thirty-five thousand, and then we launched our website um in like may so that was kind of right on the cusp of that six month mark and we did really well and then it was just kind of all up here hill from there so we were really lucky that um our first try we kind of got it right on the first try which i know doesn't happen for everybody so it was really cool yeah and and i'm for for those of you who are listening and not watching um Right now, I'm looking at your like beautiful office in the background there. Oh, thanks. With all Thank your you. like, with people just flitting about and like, it's these like nice plants and everything. Like, what a far <laughs> from being in your parents' place. <laughs> yeah, we have come a long way. It's it's been really fun. We about right before we had our first daughter, which was about two and a half years after getting married, we had finally moved into our own space our own house, gotten out of my parents' room, but we were still in a very tiny two-bedroom house, old, old home, and we had been doing the production out of there, and we got an order for, I think, like, 3,500 wallets, and I was like, we cannot do this anymore in our house. Like, I'm pregnant. We're having a baby. Like, this, I cannot come home and have wallets everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, so we found a little teeny office space just down the street from us and um, posted up in there for a while, and then... um, kind of grew out of that and this is our I mean besides my home and my parents house this is our third office and this is where we'll be for a while now I feel like this will be this is this is where we're called home yeah oh that's so great hey before we um started recording uh we were talking a little bit about some of the kind of unique things that you're working through right now so you're both um founder and CMO of the company so uh mm-hmm. you're kind of the head of marketing um, so this is, these are my favorite kind of conversations, right? Marketing, founder, this is just, this is my jam. So we were talking about um, you understanding your ideal customer and how that's been kind of a big part of, of what you're doing right now. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, of course, I'd love to. So when we first started, I I left this part out of the story, but I graduated from a small university in Hawaii, which is also where my husband finished up his degree. And I graduated with a degree in international cultural studies and peace building. Oh. So I graduated thinking I was going to work for an NGO or go yeah. and get my law degree with a master's in conflict resolution. So that was kind of my focus. And so when my husband and I started this company together and decided that this is where we wanted to spend our time, I gravitated towards the marketing aspect of things, but I didn't know hardly anything. So I mean, honestly, for the last, we started in 2015 officially, we've kind of just been throwing a lot at the wall, making decisions based on who we think our customer is, or, you know, the, based on the small amount of analytics you get from Instagram. But this year, particularly, I said, we really need to narrow down who our current customer is, and then really understand our ideal customer profiles as we try to target new people. So we sent out a survey to customers, people who've purchased in the last few months. So we know that they are engaged with the brand in a recent amount of time. And then they are also actually customers. And we sent out a survey to them and got some really, really great data about their psychographics, where they like to shop, what they like to do in their spare time, activities they like to do. 
And then we also spent a lot of time diving into Google Analytics, Shopify Analytics, using Instagram as well to understand who our customer is, our current customer. And we pinpointed that person, which is an 18 to 24-year-old girl. And the majority of our customers are females. So we have a girl profile. We have a name for her. It's Jessica. She lives on the West Coast, like very um, aspirational. We know that they're lower income, which means that they're most likely just out of high school entering college or are in college and so that they don't have this big salary yet so i mean we narrowed everything down from race gender um income bracket marital status all of that and so now when we market towards our current customer we really know who that person is and then based off of that we have targeted or segmented it out about four um groups of customers that we would like to target on top of her but that would resonate with that with her with Jessica as well so that there's like a interweaving that they all kind of connect and understand and can relate to each other so we're not just all of a sudden marketing to this like guy who loves camo and hunting and fishing and it doesn't resonate with Jessica at all but people like in the outdoor industry who are like cute and trendy outdoorsy people who like to go hiking on the weekends, but still will kick back and hang out with their friends on Saturday nights at a bar and are into fashion, but still enjoy the outdoors. So we've, it's really helped us. One of our big initiatives and something that we preach here is to um, understand the analytics and the data behind your business so that you can use that data to drive the decisions you make. Totally. And I think that that's really, really important. Yeah. I think that a lot of people make hunch decisions, right? Like, well, I kind of think that it's like this, or I think that our customers are thinking this thing, but until you actually go and like do a survey like you did, or like actually look at the analytics or like look at the actual data, you're not yeah. going to be able to actually make informed decisions. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's really it's difficult because I think it's easy to focus on the numbers that are very um, social, socially forward, socially public, like Instagram numbers, likes on photos, but those numbers are great, but you, and you can have a really great following, but if you don't know how to convert your customers or you don't understand your customer and their needs and what they want, then you're not going to be selling your product. So using that data is so important. Yeah, those, those, uh, that's what we call vanity metrics, right? Like it makes you feel good. It's great that people are, are following you and, and liking your, your posts, but it doesn't really matter unless they're buying from you, right? Yeah, oh, totally. In, in the end, right? And obviously that customer yeah. can, can go a little bit of a waste. Can I ask you, what was the sample size that you sent the survey to? Um, I think that we got, I could look it up specifically, but I think we sent to about probably 30,000 customers. Okay. And then got around like a 10%, like about three 3,000 people who responded to it. Wow. So, which was really, really helpful. That's a huge data set. So for, for people out there who are listening to the podcast, for the most part, this is, you know, people um, similar to you, founders, maybe not in the same sort of position, but for people who are out there who have a big customer list, do this. Like if you yeah, can get 3,000 totally. people to answer these questions, you're going to know your customer better than you've ever known them before. And you're going to be able to spend your money in the right place. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, whether you're starting out or where you, if you have a big customer base, I've heard a metric that if you can get about 300 people to respond to your survey, that data will be 
decently accurate because that's a good sample set of like 300 people is a, a lot of people to to interview or to question and get feedback from and not saying I mean the more the merrier right the more yeah. feedback you get great but I think it's just important to get that out there and if you have to do this every year, couple years if you're just starting to kind of refigure out things and who your customer is as you grow great things are always adapting and that's part of being a business owner is listening to your customer and changing and weaving with them as as you see fit and as they see fit and um, yeah, but it really is so important. Yeah. One thing it kind of reminds me of something we do in the clothing company side at Little and Lively is we have a VIP group on Facebook and we'll ask them what, um, we'll ask them what they want us to release and then whatever they vote on the most, and we'll give them options of stuff we're going to release anyway. Um, but whatever's most generally that product sells out almost immediately. Right. Yeah. Cool. Because, and I actually got that. We, we, we only got that idea from that interview um, that you brought up before with Finn and Vince. That was one of our first, that was an interview ages ago that I did. Um, she brought it up, this VIP group. And I was like, VIP group, this is so strange. Now yeah. I bring it all the time. It's, it's, it's now my thing that I tell people to do. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And that's something that you learned from, I don't, it's, yeah, that's why I love this platform. This podcast is that is there's so much to learn from other people and what they're doing and what's working for them. Totally. Totally. Okay. Let's talk about customer lifetime value. That was something else that we brought up before. Um, this is a little bit different for people who have listened to the podcast. Usually I've got a pretty good, uh, you know, framework that I go through the like similar questions, but this, I'm just yeah. super interested to hear, um, some of these things that you're doing right now. So customer lifetime value, you're focusing on that. What are you doing? Like, how are you intending to raise the customer lifetime value? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, this is a really important number to understand and it can be kind of difficult because there's a lot of different metrics that you can use in different platforms and stuff will maybe give you different numbers. Um, I can't remember the app that we're currently used to help us figure it out. I'd have to look that up, but um, if you can include that like in your show notes or something, yeah, yeah. but we, um, we are trying to do a lot to increase the customer lifetime value because we have a pretty low price point product. Totally. We sell wallets. And so our average order sits around like average average order value sits around like thirty three dollars right now. So we want to extend the lifetime value of our customers so that we're getting that repeatedly. So something that we've done recently is we've um, built out a loyalty program. Cool. So that has been helpful. It's still really young. We just launched it at the end of April, so we're seeing some like you know residual growth from that, and it's kind of one of those slower slower growth strategies. And then we also are focusing on email marketing and trying to really refine like our flows and our campaign strategy so that we're bringing customers back in continually and not just letting them be one and done yeah. so that we can extend that value that they can bring to our, our business. Awesome. Uh, talking about email marketing, what are you guys doing right now? Like what, what software are you using? First of all? Yeah. Yep. So I'll, I'll touch on a couple things that are working really well for us. We use Clavio for our email marketing. We send three campaigns a week. We initially did one campaign a week when we first started and then slowly started implementing two. And now we're at three, which we'll probably add, add to that in the coming months or coming years, but I just don't want to overwhelm customers with so many emails. So we do totally. three campaigns a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And then we're really just honing in on our flows and, 
um, setting those up so like cross-sell flows, customer win-back flows, um, yeah. adding to our welcome series because those people are already like hot. They're showing interest in your product. Yeah. You might as well try to get as much out of them as possible. Um, we have really complementary products. So if you buy one wallet, you can buy the lanyard that attaches to the wallet. And if you buy that, you can buy the chapstick holder yeah. that attaches to it. And so really focusing on like, okay, if you have one, let's target them to buy the other product that matches it. So um, those are strategies that we um, find really successful and are trying to work on um, making them even more robust. So it's not just like one email in a flow, but it's three emails, four emails, five emails that are these constant touch points with our customers. Yeah, cool. Have you guys set up uh, any of the predictive um, selling emails? Um, no. Well, we've done like predictive um, flows. We, something that we do is we'll use Klaviyo too, which is a really nice aspect of Klaviyo because a lot of, it's kind of a workaround that we've found is that certain states, especially like California, are putting more restrictions on privacy within ads on Facebook and stuff, like who you can market to, market to and stuff. So one of the things that we have done within Klaviyo is we've built out segments of um, predictive customers, like, okay, who's, who's going to be buying, who's predicted to like repurchase in the next month or something like that. And then we use that segment to retarget on Facebook by building up that lookalike audience and using that list to help build Ooh, assets. That's that yeah, is so very smart. I, I, yeah. I just want to reiterate what, what you're doing. You're using Clavio's predictive purchasers and then creating mm -hmm. a list just out of them and feeding that back into Facebook. Yep. Yep. So we have, and I can tell you the list and segment. So we have one that is built out for like who was predicted to, I've got to go back this. Okay. Um, so it's like who was predicted to have purchased a year ago, but didn't. Mm. So we've got a list like that. So it's kind of like retroactive. And then we have a list of people who are predicted to purchase in the next like week or two and then we can target those people as well so it's really Clavio is really awesome for that reason to you know we don't a lot of people worry about like okay if I get this list and I grow my list but not all my um people on my audience on my list are engaged the great thing about Clavio is, is you can suppress profiles but still keep their data as opposed to deleting them. And so yes. the data that this customer brings is really valuable to understanding who your customer is or like, hey, we can target these people in a different way, like with ads or something that you're not going to get an email because they've opted out or unsubscribed, et cetera. So this is great. This is great. This is going to be my new VIP list uh, thing. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. You should, you, you should be using that. Yeah, there's some really great tools on Klaviyo of, building out like your segmentation of one hit wonders, highly engaged people, potential high rollers, like all of that you can really hone in on build like really segmented lists out. Totally. And the cool thing about that with, with uh, Claudio is that you can actually take those, all, all those audiences, feed them back into Facebook, and then you could actually create lookalikes based off of those potential. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we mentioned email marketing and then one of the other big um, aspects of marketing that has been a focus for us this year is SMS marketing. Awesome. And we've seen some really, really great results with that. We use a platform called Attentive, Attentive. and yeah, they are wonderful. I've really enjoyed working with them. They're an industry leader. They do SMS marketing for some really big e-commerce brands like Pura Vida, um, Movement Watches. 
so that was one reason why we trusted working with them is that they know what they're doing and we've seen really really great results with that speaking of we're having uh the movement watches founder on i believe next week so oh that's awesome oh i'll have to tune into that one that's so cool yeah totally i was so pumped when they said yes (laughs) yeah that's awesome they've got a really good business they know their audience they know they've got a great thing going yeah yeah Cool. That's awesome. Uh, if you could go back five years now, four or five, six, five or six yeah, years. Five, yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you tell yourself? What would you, would you change anything? Oh, you know what? Yes. There are quite a few things I would do differently. Like it, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Like you wish you could go back and do something differently, but because we did it the way we did, we've learned so much. So there's also that side of double-edged sword where you're like, I wouldn't change it because I'm happy with everything I've learned. Um, but yeah, we held on to production for a lot longer than we should have. Mm-hmm. I am a control freak and I struggle with anxiety. And so I was really worried about handing off production and fulfillment to somebody else. I was worried that the quality would go down. I'd worry that things wouldn't get shipped right. And so we held on to that for, oh, I mean, two years too long. I wish we would have outsourced that sooner. Um, and once we did, that's really when we started to see our growth because I think it's really, really important and something that, again, something that we preach here, my husband and I tell everyone we talk to about business is that you need to focus on what you want to be the best at. Mm. We don't want to be the best at fulfillment. We don't want to be the best at production. Yeah. We want to be the best at selling this lifestyle brand around wallets. And we want to be focusing our time and our energy on, on making that happen. And so outsourcing those things has been a game changer for us. And I wish we would have done it sooner. Mm. That's great. That's really, really good advice. Um, I'm sure a lot of people right now are thinking like, okay, what can I outsource? What do I need? What's the first thing I need to outsource? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and there's a long list. A few things that we would say is um, accounting, like try to find someone to help you with your books as soon as you can, because you don't want to get to the end of the year and receive a statement that says you owe more than what you saved your plan for with taxes, because that's happened to us. So a good bookkeeper is really great production, fulfillment, all those things are um, stuff you should look into outsourcing as soon as possible. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Mackenzie, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone. Uh, what is your secret to scaling? Ooh, secret to scaling. Um, I think for us, it has been not being um, scared to bring on really talented people. I think that we've been able to find really young and hungry. All our team is pretty much younger than 30. So we're all really young and somewhat inexperienced, but everyone is really hungry and really excited to learn and dive in. And although they're young, they're very, very talented. And I think a lot of people have hesitancies about spending money on graphic designers or hiring someone to help with the finances or whatever, because it's like, oh, if I'm spending that, then that might hold me back in a different area. But in reality, spending money or time finding that right person will help just push you forward and scale faster because you've got more people who are on the boat, just like pushing for your success and your growth. And that's something that's been so, so key and so pivotal for us is finding the right people and bringing them on board and finding the people who are hungry and excited and eager to see this thing grow. Mm, That's great. That's great stuff. Um, I'm going to move on to our lightning round here. Yes, of course. Let's do it. Quick questions before we go. Uh, What's your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? 
Um, we have an app on our website on Shopify um, called Nosto, N-O-S-T-O, and Nosto does a lot of personal recommendations. So they use AI to um, build out product recommendations for your customers. And so that's really nice because that also can integrate with Clavio with the flows and um, segments that you build out for certain people based off of that predictive analytics. Like, okay, they're, they will be likely to buy this product because they bought this product. Yeah. So we love Nosto and it's been a game changer. Into Clavio. What was that? You can integrate that into Clavio then. Yep, it has a Nosto integration so that when you're building out your flows and things like that, you can think with Nosto to recommend the right products for your customers. Oh, Mackenzie, I'm definitely getting way more value out of this podcast than you are from me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a good one. I'd recommend it. Yeah, it's a little great. pricier, but it's, it bring, it's been really beneficial for us. Cool, cool. I mean, whatever you're going to pay for something, if you're getting the value out of it, it's totally worthwhile. Oh, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, what's your favorite podcast? Oh, I really love, of course, how I built this. That's like a classic, I feel like. But I am... Have you I'm listened? Honest, have you... How have, was that going? How many episodes of, of this have you listened to? Because every, like... Uh, oh, everyone says 20, it on this. I think I had 22 in a row that said how I built this. <laughs> oh, it's but it's the best. Like Guy yeah, Ross is one there's of a... the best interview. Like he's such a good host, and yeah. I just love the way he gets down to understanding the business and their story. I think it's really, really great. Um, I am a big crime junkie, and so oh, not so business nice. related. I love, I love Crime Junkie. That's the podcast that I turn on when I just kind of want to zone out and think about something outside of business. But yeah, that Whoa, one's really right. good. There's another one called um, E-Commerce Fuel which is really great. And I like that one and Shopify masters are great for business. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I've heard of, heard of both of those. That's great. Um, do you have a founder that you look up to? Um, yes, I have quite a few founders that I look up to. I, we read the book creativity Inc. A few, uh, last year as a team and Ed Catmull, who is the author of that book is the founder of Pixar, one of the founders. And I really, really look up to him. His book is, so wonderful and I would recommend everybody to read it. We utilize the um, principles that he teaches quite regularly within our business, but I think that he's just a great visionary. He's got a really great brain um, understanding the importance of creativity and building a business and not um, like you don't want people to leave their creativity at the door. And he has, they've just built an incredible culture at Pixar and I really look up to him and the other founders of Pixar who've created such a wonderful culture of creativity. Mm, that's awesome. That is so great. Uh, I, that's it. I want to keep asking you questions. Okay. But that's it. <laughs> well, you can, you can email me or we can finish up that we can continue this conversation later. Great. It's uh, so where, fun to chat. I love it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Mackenzie Bauer, um, Fred Wallace, www.threadwallace.com or Instagram, which is Fred underscore wallet. So any of those places, send me a DM, a message. I'd be happy to connect. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that's, we connected on LinkedIn. That's where, where we. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That is where we connected. It's such a great platform. I have been spending more time on LinkedIn than Instagram recently. I love it. Totally. If I could just. Just do a quick, before we, we go, a quick LinkedIn preach. If you're a business owner, just know that like at some point you could potentially sell your business. Somebody's going to want to yes. be your business. And those people are going to be on LinkedIn. <laughs> so Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. That's, we've challenged all of our employees and 
our executives to spend time networking and getting to know people on LinkedIn and conversing and having conversations on LinkedIn because it's really powerful. Yeah. It's a really powerful way of connecting with other business owners and like-minded people. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. It's so fun to chat. Before we end, we just wanted to ask a couple of favors from you. If you enjoyed this podcast, can you please share it with your friends and leave us a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts? That would really help. Also, we have an amazing new free resource for you guys. It's marketing calculators. It'll help you figure out what your break-even return on ad spend is and more. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash marketing dash calculator to find out more. Have a great week.